serving in an official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. For we all stumble and sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and rein in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. Now if we put bits into the horse's mouths to make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ships. Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. And again, Father, we do thank you for just the clarity, the practicality of your word, just such appropriate instruction for all of us. Uh, we ask for your wisdom tonight that we will apply your word to our lives, and uh, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So taming the tongue, I think that's a lifelong uh, discipline for us. Um, you know, obviously, in all of our interactions, being able to hold our peace at times and say the appropriate things at uh, the right time are, um, there's, a, there's a skill and an art to that. And um, so let me go back to verse one. Not many of you should become teachers serving in an official teaching capacity, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who are teachers will be judged by a higher standard because we have assumed greater accountability and more condemnation if we teach incorrectly. For we all stumble and sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man, fully developed in character without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and reign in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weakness. Uh, weaknesses. As James um, has shared these passages with us, it's interesting here in chapter 3 how he kind of paints the picture of our, our speech certainly um, reveals what's important to us and, and honestly kind of guides our steps as well. Um, if we are people who are given to saying whatever's on our mind at all times and, you know, that kind of thing, it can speak to us being very undisciplined. Um, I was looking at a YouTube video today, and it talked about, you know, how life was so much different, like, back in the 60s and 70s. Um, and, I mean, all of us here are of age, so we remember that time. Um, it was before the internet, obviously, uh, before texting, uh, before emails, and you know, a long distance call 
was expensive and sound quality was bad. So, and people wrote letters. They actually wrote in cursive. <laughs> Doesn't happen now. Um, what we all see today, oh, something else they brought out is, you know, we didn't have 500 channels on TV. Um, and there wasn't a 24-hour news cycle as well. You know, we can turn on, on the TV at any time of the day or night, and we can get news. And the news now, it's breaking news, you know. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It's urgent. Where that didn't happen, you know, um, you know, you had your, I remember, this was probably 1981, when Walter Cronkite retired from, uh, was it uh, CBS News? And Dan Rather took over. And, you know, I used to watch the, I used to watch the nightly news, the national news, and the local news. And that was all that my mother allowed us to watch. So the news was pretty exciting to me. <laughs> but it was a different kind of news. It was just the issues of the day. I remember the, what the Falkland Islands War, you know, all that kind of stuff, and where now it's, you know, it's a lot of political stuff, it's a lot of screaming, it's a lot of yelling, you have these, you know, debate shows on, and that can influence how we communicate with each other, you know? With texting, with emails, um, and I heard someone say this, there's, there's no real conversation. There's, no one's really listening. You know, in an email and a text, you, you get to fire off your anger, but you're not really listening. You know, you say, you know what, I have a point I want to share, and I'm going to shoot it off, or I'm going to post it on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever. But there's not very much listening going on. Where here, James tells us, uh, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, never saying the wrong thing, he is a perfect man. How many here have ever said the wrong thing to someone? <laughs> that, that's all of us. Right, 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 that's right. You raise both hands. And sometimes, I'm trying to say this correctly, Sometimes we want to say the wrong thing to somebody. You know, like, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And then sometimes, I don't know if it's a correct term to say something slipped out because it kind of has to be there to, <laughs> yeah, kind of has to be there to slip out anyway. But I know that times that I've said, and sometimes it's not even, it's just a matter of talking too much. You know, it's like, oh man, I said too much. I didn't, I didn't have to say all of that. Um, so James talks about bridling our tongue. Um, and he ties it in with being able to bridle the whole body in the entire nature, taming human faults and weaknesses. I am learning um, to kind of rehearse things that I want to say to people. And I'm learning to, to hold on for a second 
excuse me, and okay, think about how is this going to come out? And I'll kind of say it. It's like, no, that, that's not going to go well. <laughs> that's not going to go so well. Let me try a different approach. Um, interestingly, there was, um, there was something that happened last week uh, with someone, and I wanted to share some information, and I kind of went through that process of thinking, okay, how do I want to, how do I want to communicate that? Um, you know, and initially, I was like, I should just come directly out and say it. Then I said, no, it's not going to be effective. So I kind of waited a while, and I think I kind of posed it as a question. And that, that can sometimes, a lot of times that can be an effective strategy to, to kind of pose a question and to, you know, initiate dialogue. Thankfully, it turned out pretty well. Um, I think the exchange was productive. I don't think anyone's feelings were hurt, so that was good. But had I gone with my initial thought, it wouldn't have gone so well. Let's see. Verse 3, now if we put bits into the horses' mouths to make them obey us, we guide their whole body as well. And look at the ships. Even though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. In the same sense, the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. I remember when I was in the eighth grade, there was um, uh, a guy at school, and kind of the running joke about him was that he always lied about stuff. You know, he always told these big stories. You know, he had a, he drove a Mercedes, you know, he's in the eighth grade, and he drives a Mercedes Benz, that kind of stuff that he would say. And whenever he would talk, people were like, okay, let's wait for the lie, you know, and sure enough, something always just huge would come out. And, you know, we see James saying here, although our tongue is a very small member of our bodies, it, it directs us and it can get us in trouble. And it certainly lets people know really who we are, the things that are important to us. Uh, let's see, the second part of verse five. See by comparison how great a forest is set on fire by a small spark. And the tongue is in a sense a fire. The very world of injustice and unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which contaminates the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life, the cycle of man's existence, and is set and is itself set on fire by hell, Gehenna. For every species of beast and birds of reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the human tongue. It is a restless evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. We all remember that uh, childhood nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words 
will never hurt me. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Um, words, especially from people close to us, are very destructive. Words spoken um, in haste, in an insensitive way, um, are very hurtful. And sometimes um, that hurt can last a lifetime. And people can apologize, but the thought is still there. I remember in 1971, you said, you know. Um, so yeah, words can hurt us, and we have to be very careful, you know, the things that we say to people. Let's see, seven again, for every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and sea creatures is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, undisciplined, unstable, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. These things, my brothers, should not be this way. For we have a moral obligation to speak in a manner that reflects our fear of God and profound respect for his precepts. And I think that, that speaks to the importance of us you know, stopping for a moment and kind of thinking about the short and long-term impact of the things that we can say to people. Um, because as, as believers in Christ, we are to reflect our, our reverence of God, our profound respect for his precepts. And, you know, our Lord speaks lovingly to us. You know, his thoughts toward us are as plentiful as the sands on the sea. And, you know, when I think of that, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and all of us have benefited from kind words, um, you know, um, thoughtful words from people. Um, I am being more cognizant of expressing kind words to people, you know, that I know. You know, if someone has done something um, that's commendable or kind or you know, you see a pattern, it's, it's a good thing to share that with them. Hey, I noticed that, you know, you did this, and I was really impressed, and I noticed how careful you were. You know, when we all hear those words from someone, it kind of touches our hearts. You know, it's like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Conversely, when someone shares something that's not kind, it, it leaves a stain with us. Okay. See, verse 11, does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives, or a grapevine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh? Um, so, you know, definitely for all of us to examine our speech and really to examine our motives. Um, you know, as I said, there are times when I have to, 
you know, stop and think about perhaps conversations I've had with people. And just sometimes I've said too much. And then I have to remind myself, man, just, just dial it back. Just listen. You don't have to, you know, comment on everything. Verse uh, 13. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Let him by his good conduct show his good deeds with the gentleness and humility of true wisdom. That's an interesting way that's phrased. True wisdom um, demonstrates gentleness and humility. Um, being thoughtful. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant, and as a result, be in defiance of the truth. This superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and morally degrading practice. And certainly that's where the self-examination comes in. If I'm, if I'm harboring jealousy and selfish ambition, you know, if, I'm, if I'm seeing that, then that's a problem. Because, as it says here, uh, it is the wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. It's a product of disorder. 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, then peace-loving. Am I looking to encourage peace in this situation? By being peace-loving, I'm courteous and considerate. It is gentle, and I love this word reasonable. I believe in the Greek it is eupathes, and it means willing to listen. So I have to ask myself, am I willing to listen? to someone else's perspective. Or, and I've said this many times, and we know this, many times in a, let's say in a debate, argument, whatever, we're not really listening to the other person, we're just waiting for their mouth to stop moving. So I can <laughs> jump in and say the stuff that I need to say. But if I stop and take the time and really hear what they're trying to say, I. I Likely, I can find some common ground and, and say, you know what? Hey, that's a good point. Hey, you know what? What you said is, um, is really interesting. Um, one thing I, I, am, I have learned and I am learning to do is to identify with people's pain. And... Because something else in our society that we do a lot is that when someone is, you know, suffering, 
know, there can be a tendency for some people to say, you know, okay, you know, get over it. Someone told me that one time. Is uh, I was experiencing something, and they said, well, just get over it. Well, it, it's not quite that easy, and that's not very helpful either. Um, you know, our Lord uses pain and trials to mold us into the image of Christ. And if I am not balanced with that, if I'm not acknowledging the pain and seeking God's guidance and just kind of brushing it away, what I have learned, and I'm sure you all have too, if I don't appropriately deal with it, it's not really going away. It's going to resurface at some point. And it's probably going to be worse. Um, I found that there were things that I was dealing with for, let's see, about 35 years because I never really resolved it and it just kept popping up, the same issue, until I stopped and identified it and said, oh, hey, this is what this is. Let me deal with it. Let me acknowledge the pain, give it to the Lord, you know, talk through it. Uh, and talk to someone else about it. Um, it just brought up another point. I think this is something that ladies do a whole lot better than guys do, is saying, as a man, that hurt my feelings. You, you ladies do that pretty well. Guys don't, because we're, we're tough. We, we don't talk about feelings. We get over it. That's what we do. <laughs> but we haven't really gotten over it. I have discovered that um, when I acknowledge something either from my past or something that happens now, when I say, you know what, actually, that hurt my feelings. I shared that with someone, uh, I think, two weeks ago. I said, you know, that issue that happened, that that hurt my feelings. And it was like, ah. It, again, I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. It, it, I was hurt. And to be able to say that, it was liberating for me and allowed me to kind of deal properly with the situation. All right. Um, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, morally and spiritually undefiled, then peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle, reasonable, and willing to listen, full of compassion and good fruits. It is unwavering, without self-righteous hypocrisy and self-serving guile. You know, as I think back to you know, disagreements I've had with people. And, and there have been times, honestly, when I was just being self-serving. I said, you know what? I want to be mad, and I want to stay mad, and I'm going to stay mad until I get tired of being mad. And that doesn't do well for relationships. It doesn't do well for integrity. So when I, when I acknowledge, and sometimes I, 
you know, when I really think about it, I have to say, you know what? You're being self-serving. One, it's embarrassing. It's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I am. Um, and obviously, you know, we think of how merciful um, our Lord is continually with us. Uh, I just listened to a message recently on forgiveness. And um, uh, the, the person was sharing, if, if as a Christian I am unwilling to, uh, unwilling to forgive, then I don't understand the forgiveness that I have received from the Lord. And, and I do understand that there are things that happen to us that are painful. Um, but, you know, as that parable states, we have a debt that we can never pay to the Lord. And it is our obligation to extend forgiveness to other people. Okay. Let's see. Verse 18, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness, spiritual maturity is sown in peace by those who make peace by actively encouraging goodwill between individuals. I remember it's probably five or six years ago, there were two family members um, who were not, were not speaking to each other, and they're still not speaking to each other, but I, I tried to arrange kind of a, a meeting and, you know, some, just for them to kind of see eye to eye. And they both said, I won't do it if the other one, I want the other person to do it first, and then I'll do it. And they both said that. <laughs> ah, this isn't going to work. And it was interesting that they, they both said that. If I, that one doesn't go first, then I'm not doing it. If that one doesn't go first, then I'm not doing it. And I think I told both of them, but both of you said the same thing. I don't care. And I just said, you know what? I'm done. I, I give up. Okay. Now let's go on to 2 Timothy 3.16. You know, there are many, many instructions we receive in Scripture. And sometimes it's, well, how do I do this? You know, um, here is one way that we can get clarity on, you know, okay, where is my heart? Do I harbor jealousy and selfish ambition? Um, am I unwilling to forgive? Am I, do I have to have the last word? Um, do I talk too much? Um, so, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience, for training in unrighteousness, uh, sorry, training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage question for everyone and those of you on Facebook live feel free to drop it in the chat 
Have you ever, and I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you ever been reading God's word? And then something just hits you and you're like, uh-oh. Can I see a show of hands here? Yeah. I know I've, a number of times I've read scripture and I've said, oh, that's me. And I need to correct that. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing. If I can read God's word and I always see someone else in it, you know, they need to, <laughs> they need to read this. That's a problem. But when I see myself and I say, hey, you know what, that's an, that's an issue. And then there are times also where we can read God's word and say, you know what, I'm doing better in this area. I've grown in this area. That, and that's exciting as well. Because scripture is God-breathed, um, it is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error. Because God loves us, he has preserved his word for us. Um, and as we read God's word, you know, we will, I, I like how Pastor Randy says it, it's not God's word that changes us, it's obedience to God's word. Because we can all read it, but it's when I apply it in my life, then the changes begin to occur. All right, Philippians 2. Starting at verse 12. So then, my dear ones, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation. That is, cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. And that, with so many things, that's key for us um, to use serious caution and critical self-evaluation. How am I doing in this area? Uh, what if, if it's, you know, my speech? And it doesn't have to be profanity, but it could be an insensitive words. It could be a failure to, to listen to others. Um, Failure to take time, you know. I um, I'm making a making it a point to to slow down and to try to listen to what people are saying uh, in my conversations. Um, because again, we we live in a society. We're part of a culture that encourages haste. You know, we're in a hurry all the time which does not work well for um, meaningful conversation. I, I'm, not a, I'm glad that I, I was born before texting and emailing. Uh, I'm not a huge, I mean, I, I understand the convenience of it, but as I like to say, you don't get context with texting. All of us, I'm sure all of us have texted people and the meaning the deeper meaning of the message is not communicated because you, you can't do that in a text. 
often it takes someone to pick up the phone and say, hey, let's talk. Because, you know, texting just doesn't do it. Uh, let's see. That is cultivated, bring it to full effect, act actively pursue spiritual maturity. Oh, forget about the ESPN stuff. All right. Um, with awe-inspired fear and trembling, use serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. It is, it is interesting that to realize that God is working in our hearts. You know, we, we can't even come to Christ on our own. You know, he, he, the Holy Spirit touches our hearts to draw us to him, and we respond to that. So it's not like we have a great idea. It's like, hey, I think I, could, I, think I should follow the Lord. No, the Lord is, is drawing us to him. Let's see. And here's a good one right here, verse 14. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God. I'm still working on that. I'm doing better than I used to, where you, we know, you know how we do it sometimes. Things happen, and we're like, ah, ah. You know, I look at what uh, Pastor Randy is experiencing right now. Obviously, a very heartbreaking um, experience with Jeanette, you know, um, as he says, his honey of you know, over 50 years, 51 years, I believe. And, and I appreciate how he is acknowledging how painful this is, but also uh, God's sovereignty in all of this. And sometimes it's hard to reconcile those things, that, you know, God has allowed us to be in situations that aren't comfortable, and yet those those situations are molding us into the image of Christ. I mean, my own experience with my wife, uh, and you all have heard me say this multiple times, uh, by far the most painful experience of my life. But um, God has used that to open my perspective and to give me a greater sense of empathy for people who are suffering. And it has really caused me to kind of slow things down and, and do a lot more listening. Um, you all have heard me share about the grief ministry. It, the grief ministry has been, it's been wonderful, you know, to hear people share authentically about the pain that they've experienced and what God is teaching them through that. And, and we know there is nothing that is as effective as pain to teach us. Nothing works like pain. I don't want pain. You don't want pain. 
but God is able to use that to mold us into the image of his son and, and really to give us a clearer perspective of life. Um, okay, so 14, do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless. I heard, actually I've heard a number of um, um, teachers share this, but I think the last person I heard was Skip Heitzig. If we were given the opportunity to redesign our lives, what would we do? I think a lot of us you know, we would take a look at those, well, maybe, we would take a look at those painful experiences and say, ah, we'll take that one out. We'll take that one out. Um, but that, that would change, that would change our experience and often it would change, it would, it would change it not for the better. Um, Again, God uses those experiences to give us a clear perspective, really, for us to focus on him. Um, if everything goes the way we want it to in life, a lot of people would say, huh, wh what do I need God for? I, I can handle this. Um, but when we encounter situations that are beyond our control, beyond our influence, and we're prompted to fall on our knees and acknowledge our need for a savior, a deliverer, um, you know, it, um, you know, as Paul said that, well, what the Lord told Paul, that his grace was sufficient for him. For God's strength is made perfect in weakness. And by the way, that is not the message of our culture. Our, our culture tells us to be strong and to rely on ourselves. And that is completely opposite of the message of scripture. It's God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And sometimes it is hard for us to acknowledge our weakness, um, our frailty. Um, it's hard, and again, harder. I think it's harder for guys to do it to acknowledge vulnerability. And it, it's hard for me to ask for help sometimes. You know, I I kind of want to do things myself. It's like, no, I, I got it. I got it. Where I've learned to say, no, hey, you know what? I need help. I need help. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated, children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in the world of darkness. When 
when our speech glorifies God, um, when we are able to listen, um, and here's another one, when we're able to listen without offering solutions to people, <clears throat> that's something else I had to stop doing. I used to think, and this was in my 20s and 30s, I thought I knew the answer to everything for people. If someone would share an issue with me, I'm thinking, okay, this is what you need to do. And I realized that I didn't have the answers. And it was just for me to listen to them. And, and sometimes it was just to listen, just to provide support, a listening ear. Sometimes that's all that, that's all that people need is someone to listen to them. And that can be encouraging for them. Uh, let's see, 14, holding out and offering to everyone the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to rejoice greatly because I did not run my race in vain nor labor without result. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith for preaching the message of salvation, still I rejoice and share my joy with you all. So taming our tongue, keeping things in perspective, I, I am learning uh, in this 14th verse um, to be a little more consistent with, uh, without murmuring or questioning the providence of God. Uh, still acknowledging that there are things that are painful, but saying, okay, God, God, you have a purpose in this. Um, you are, you are fine-tuning things in my life through this challenging situation. And, you know, sometimes, well, not sometimes, but all of us have blind spots. Um, and God will allow a trial in our lives to reveal that blind spot that we didn't see. And when it's revealed, it's like, oh, oh, didn't know that was there. And then we can address it, we can give it to the Lord, and, and hopefully grow and um, be more of that ambassador for Christ to, to glorify God. So, Dear Father, we do thank you again for the truth of your word. Lord, we thank you for the love that you have for us, the everlasting love. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness, uh, the example that your son gave as he walked on the earth of kindness, compassion, um, listening to people, engaging in meaningful conversation. Father, we want to be those followers who acknowledge our weakness and acknowledge our need for you. And um, Father, again, we, we bring our pastor and Jeanette before you, uh, knowing that this is a, a very challenging and hurtful situation for him. But also acknowledging that, Lord, uh, as verse 14 says, 
that, Lord, we are to do all things without murmuring or disputing your providence, knowing that you are in total control. Lord, we ask that your will be done in uh, their lives. And, uh, Lord, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.